Welcome to the Mountain Brook Baptist Church podcast. We pray that this message will help you in your walk with Christ. The title of Dr. Dorch's sermon today is A Debt We Could Never Repay. The big idea is God's forgiveness is beyond our ability to repay, though our forgiveness of others is a good first step. The reading of God's word from the Gospel of Matthew the 18th chapter, the parable of the unmerciful servant. Beginning with the 25th verse, Jesus speaking to his disciples, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a servant who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him and since he was Not able to pay the master order that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him. He began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, His master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. May God add his blessings to this, the reading of his word. Once upon a time, every American politician seemed to have this deep-seated concern for the national debt. You know the national debt. It's It's the difference between every obligation that the federal government has made to the American public 
and the revenue that the government receives, collects in order to be able to be good on that obligation. You may have seen some of those digital clocks that, uh, that reflect the status of the national debt. They spin and spin and spin and the way that they spin makes the electric meter at your house seem like it's standing still. At last count, what was it, $28 trillion? I, I, will, I will leave it to the economists and the politicians to determine whether that is a good thing or not. All I know is that the question that comes to my mind, and my guess is, it comes to your mind every time you see that clock, not just ticking, you see that clock spinning. You wonder to yourself, how are we going to pay that debt? Is it possible that even as a nation, we will ever be able to repay such a debt, and underneath those very reasonable questions is a foundational assumption that each of us grew up with that any debt that you incur at some point in the course of your life, you will be expected to repay because one day, one day, there will be a day of reckoning. For most of us, it may come at the first of the month or the middle of the month or the end of the month. Every month, there is a day of reckoning. And if, when that day comes, we are not able to pay the debt that we have obligated ourselves to, that day of reckoning will be for us not a good day at all. Now that assumption has, has been a part of, of human ethics ever since the beginning of time. Every culture, every society has ordered itself around the principle that people pay back whatever they have incurred, whether you're talking about nations or corporations or businesses or families or individuals, and it is for that reason. Because this is such a foundational assumption. You pay back what you owe Jesus drew upon that assumption in sharing with his disciples a parable of the kingdom of heaven and the importance, the obligation, the debt that falls to each of us to show mercy to others as an expression of our gratitude, our deep-seated thanksgiving for the grace and the mercy and the incredible, breathtakingly incredible forgiveness 
that God in Jesus Christ has shown to each of us the parable of the unmerciful servant is recorded only in Matthew's gospel. Matthew's gospel, of course, is also the gospel that includes Jesus' most famous teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, and embedded in that teaching of what it looks like for the kingdom of heaven to be a reality here on earth as it is in heaven is the section where Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And in that prayer, we pray it every Sunday. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Dare I say the manner in which we pray that prayer is weak and it's flimsy. The word trespass does not nearly reach what Jesus was describing to his disciples when he called us to go before God in prayer. The word trespass, it's kind of, to me anyway, it's, it's, it's sort of like my asking you to excuse me for invading your space. Uh, forgive me of my trespass. I'm sorry. I must have ventured into a realm that is not acceptable for me to enter into. Forgive me my trespass. The word in the Greek is ophilama. It means debt. It means obligation. It is the same word that Jesus uses in describing the parable of the unmerciful servant. And the context of this parable, as Sharon has already helped us to understand in her children's sermon, is so very important. The 18th chapter of Matthew's Gospel, you know it as as the famous conflict resolution passage in the Gospels. You know, whenever believers, disciples are at odds with one another or, or whenever a church finds itself in conflict, the first place that we go to and the first place we should go to is Matthew 18 where Jesus explains to his disciples how they are to manage differences that will inevitably take place, occur within the fellowship. Jesus has just spoken with his disciples about how to resolve their conflicts, and Simon Peter draws near to Jesus with a question on forgiveness. And he is so proud of himself because he wants to show Jesus his willingness to exceed what was the expectation of the rabbis that if someone offends you, then you are, you are to forgive that person three times. And then, and then after you have forgiven them three times, if the wrongdoing persists, 
You can write them off. That's what the rabbi said. So Simon Peter approaches Jesus and says, Lord, if my brother offends me, how many times shall I forgive him? Seven times? He's proud of himself. And then Jesus tells him, throw away your abacus. Peter, seven times are not enough. Seventy times seven. It's unlimited. Continuous. Inexhaustible. And as a way of reinforcing that teaching, not only to Simon Peter, but to all disciples, including us, Jesus tells this gripping story. There was, there was a king, he said who had a, a servant that owed him 10,000 talents, a talent in the first century world was the equivalent of 150,000 years of wages. Now you just, in your mind, or if you've got a pencil, go ahead, you can stop listening for a second. Do the math. 150,000 thousand times what you make in a year. Imagine, imagine having incurred that kind of debt. How would you ever be able to pay it? And that's the point of the parable. The servant couldn't pay such a debt. How in the world does a servant amass such a debt? This is not, this, this is not your ordinary average servant, more than likely he is some kind of administrative official in the king's court. Otherwise, he would never be, have been able to pile up an unpayable debt like this. And so the master, the king, then says to the servant, I'm going to, I'm going to sell you, your wife, your children, and everything that you own in order to pay the debt, which is unpayable. And, and the servant begins to beg and he begins to plead. And the master has compassion on his servant and does something truly incredible. He, he cancels the debt. He, he forgives him completely. And, and he lets the servant go as a scot-free servant. It's incredible. Truly amazing. And I do not use that word lightly. So wouldn't you think that this servant who has been shown this remarkable mercy is itching for the opportunity to show it to others. Think again. And Jesus says this forgiven servant now goes out and he finds another servant who owes him a hundred denarii. That denarii is about a daily wage. It, it's, it's a significant debt, but, but it's payable. 
You can find a way to manage a debt like that, but this servant can't, this second servant. And not only does that first forgiven servant demand that the debt be paid to him, he resorts to violence. Do you see that? He grabs the second servant and he begins to choke him. Pay me back, pay me back, pay me back. That second servant begins to beg. And do you notice, do you notice his plea is 100% identical to the plea of the first servant to the king. Let me go and, and I will pay you back with the exception of the second servant does not say everything. But the second servant does not show mercy. He has the man and his wife and his children thrown into jail, into prison, until, until he will be able to pay back everything that he owns. Now, think about this part of the story. How do you pay a debt when you're in prison? What kind of money are you going to make when they throw you into jail? You can't. It's a life sentence. And that is why the other servants, Jesus tells us, upon seeing what has taken place, go to the master to give a report of what has transpired. And the king is not pleased. He calls that first servant back into his presence to have what you and I call a come to Jesus moment. You wicked servant, he says. I forgave you everything and you were not willing to show that same grace to your fellow servant. The king had that first servant thrown into jail and tortured until he should pay back all of his debt, which as we now know was unpayable. Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, this is how my heavenly Father will treat you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart with deep sincerity. Not begrudgingly, unless you do it from your heart. Louis Smeedy was an ethics professor at Fuller Seminary in California. Smeedy wrote the book on forgiveness, at least from a theological perspective. In, in one of his books on forgiveness, he wrote several, A Life of Distinction. 
a life of distinction. Smedes tells the story of how as an ethics professor he thought one day it would be a good idea for him to visit the L.A. County Jail and to go there and, and, and to explore what was being done in the way of reforming prisoners, recovering those lost souls, because Smedes admitted that in my mind I thought they're all, they're all losers. That's why they've landed in jail. They're, they're addicts, they're alcoholics, they're, they're people who have forfeited untold opportunities. Imagine an ethics professor going to prison to explore prison reform with that kind of attitude. Smeedy said God convicted him. As soon as he walked in the door, he noticed an African-American man who was dressed in a ministerial collar. And Smeedy's asked, where do you serve? What, what congregation or are you affiliated with? And the man told him, the church, but he said, I'm, I'm not a pastor. I'm an insurance salesman. But it's important for me to come into the prison dressed as I am to be an ambassador of mercy. Smeedy said, well, what? What kind of people are you dealing with here? I mean, surely, they're, they're losers and they're addicts and, you know, just the dregs of society. And, and the man tells Smeeties, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. They're, they've missed out on a lot of opportunity, but I, I choose not to see them that way. I don't divide people up into losers and winners if I've got to divide people up, I, I, I choose to divide them up between the forgiven and the unforgiven. The forgiven and the yet to be forgiven, he said. And the reason that's important to me is because I'm not a perfect person. And along the way, God has shown me this remarkable grace. And what I've learned in my own life is that whenever you forgive another person, even a prisoner, what you come to discover is that you have just freed that prisoner even if he has to remain in prison serving out his sentence. You've already released him and in the process what you come to discover is that you release another prisoner, which is you. Which is you. I don't, I don't divide people up between winners and losers. Those who are at the top those who are at the bottom, I see people as forgiven and unforgiven, as forgiven and yet to be forgiven, in need of forgiveness. You know who else chose to see people in that way? Jesus did. Jesus did. That's why Jesus came into this world. That's why Jesus was nailed to a cross. 
That's why the Romans, as they nailed Jesus to the cross, affixed a sign above his head in three languages, Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, King of the Jews. King of the Jews. And as Jesus was living out his life, he looked down at those who were responsible for his crucifixion. And among his last words, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. At one time, you and I didn't know what we were doing. But now we do. If you call yourself a Christian, you've embraced the gift of salvation that God has made possible through the sacrifice of his son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you do. The day of reckoning is coming. And every moment between now and then, our celestial debt clock is spinning the debt is getting greater and greater. We're not going to be able to pay it. So what can we do? We can pray. And we can mean it when we pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Forgive us our debts, as unpayable as they are, as we forgive our debtors. Only then will God's kingdom come and God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, our God, truly your grace is amazing. And in our heart of hearts, we know it, which is why everyone thinks of amazing grace as his or her favorite hymn speaks of that remarkable debt you have forgiven, not because we deserve it or could ever repay it. It's because of who you are and what you see in us and your desire to free us from that obligation that we might live life in all of its fullness. Now we know, God, the same grace that you've extended to us, we must extend to one another as a way of showing our deep, undying gratitude. Help us, through your grace, to do so lovingly, cheerfully, sincerely, and from the heart, even as you have made possible our salvation from your very heart, through Jesus. 
in whose name we do pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We pray that today's message brought you hope as we continue to love God and live with grace and generosity. Be sure to check back here for more podcasts. And as always, go out and do the Lord's good work. Thank you.